0: welcome to all things financial management an asmc podcast sponsored by guidehouse where we discuss all things under the auspices of the comptroller's office and address top of mind issues in the financial management community good morning my name is tom rhodes i'm a partner with guidehouse where i work with clients across the dod and other government agencies to transform and optimize their financial management functions I'll be your host for today's podcast. For those of you who may be new to this podcast series, let me take just a moment to provide some background on the American Society of Military Comptrollers. The American Society of Military Comptrollers or ASMC is the nonprofit educational and professional organization for individuals, military, civilian, corporate, or retired involved or interested in the field of defense financial management. ASMC promotes the education and training of its members and supports the development and advancement of the profession of defense financial management. The society provides membership, education and professional development, and certification programs to keep members and the overall financial management community abreast of current issues and encourages the exchange of information, techniques, and approaches. And with that, I'd like to introduce our government guest today, Mr. Herrera. Mr. Herrera is the Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Air Force for Financial Management and Comptroller. He oversees the budgeting, cost estimating, and financial operations of more than $165 billion in annual resources that support Department of the Air Force priorities in accordance with Congressional, Secretary of Defense, and Secretary of the Air Force Direction. Additionally, he is responsible for the professional development of more than 12,000 military and civilian members of the Air Force financial management community. Prior to his current position, Mr. Herrera was the Deputy for Budget, Office of the Assistant Secretary of the Air Force for Financial Management Comptroller. There he was responsible for planning and directing air and Space Force budget formulation and execution of appropriations. He led a staff of civilian and military financial managers who develop, defend, and execute funding that supports military operations and Department of the Air Force priorities. Mr. Herrera began his career with the Air Force as a Palace Acquire intern upon graduation from the University of Texas in San Antonio. He has held various positions within the Air Force in the areas of budget formulation, program integration, and resource management. Good morning, Mr. Herrera. Thanks for being here with us this morning. Appreciate your time.
1: Good morning, Tom. Thanks for having
0: me. Mr. Herrera, you've been acting as the Air Force SAF-FM and you're currently the principal deputy. Can you share with us your journey and tell us about what led you to your current role?
1: It's interesting. I've been at this for almost 34 years. I'm a 34-year career civilian Air Force employee. Now I say Department of the Air Force employee. Coming out of college in 1987, I was in Texas, graduated from UT in San Antonio, and needed a job. Both my parents were career civil servants, both retired the army and i thought okay that's a neat place to start working as a professional and came in as an intern the air force had an outstanding scholar program called the palace choir intern program and i came in as an intern and was sent to perlberg field in northwest florida on the florida panhandle which was a surprise to me because at the time there were numerous air force bases in san antonio and i thought for sure i would work in san antonio and 34 years later, I've yet to work in San Antonio. It's been a wonderful journey, and I modeled my career a little bit like a military member in terms of having moved around a few times. I pcs permanent change of station to Scott Air Force Base and then went back to Hurlburt after Air Force Special Operations Command stood up and got to be a part of that, a brand new major command with an organization that had a really neat mission supporting our special operators who were at the tip of the spear for, gosh, largely the last... 20 to 30 years fighting war on terror and just being really involved globally in a lot of our defense operations. And spent eight years as a member of Air Force Materiel Command, working at a product center at the Air Armament Center when that center still existed and was the deputy comptroller or deputy FM there. And it's a large test evaluation center as well as an acquisition center for developing munitions. Think JDAMs and AMRAMs and JASMs those really high-end munitions that we need for current and future fights. So that was a very rewarding opportunity. And Marilyn Thomas and Pat Zorotkiewicz, both legends in the Air Force FM career field, continued to recruit me to come up to the Pentagon. And in 2012, I did. I came up and worked in the engine room and worked in budget for uh, about a year and three months. I had a really neat experience. And from that position, launched into the SES ranks. became a senior executive service member. So did that for uh, three years and was able to get back to AFSOC, Air Force Special Operations Command, as the executive director there. So I was the senior civilians, if you will, almost a deputy commander from a civilian capacity, supporting at the time General Heitholt and then General Webb as the commanders at AFSOC. I really enjoyed that stay. Certainly got to see... And focus on the operational side of things as well as supporting a lot of their resiliency initiatives that they had going on and then came back to the air staff and was the deputy director of staff at headquarters air force working for general van obost and from there i i didn't even spend a year there and came back to fm and was in fmb our budget shop for a year and a half or so and then uh, have been the deputy comptroller since this past december So it's been almost a year that I've been the PDAS, and in January became the Acting FM. Really remarkable. 34 years flew by, and initially I didn't necessarily have the intention of making it a long career with the Air Force, but I wasn't against the idea. I just wasn't sure at 23 years of age what I wanted to be when I grew up. I just had a nice alignment with the Air Force. Really enjoyed the work, really enjoyed the people, had tremendous support for myself from day one lots of mentors, lots of leaders who took an interest in me, who saw potential in me and pushed me to realize that potential. And so I've tried to pay it back with a lot of the young people that I work with, both military and civilian. It's been a rewarding career and I felt like I was able to make a difference and make a contribution as well as very much enjoyed the work and the mission we were supporting.
0: Mr. Arrow, what a neat story. And I think for some of our listeners who are new careerists to see that you started your career as an intern at the Air Force and were able to go through varied and challenging experiences, which probably helped keep you at the Air Force along with the mentoring. And to see now that you're the acting SAF FM, I think it's a really neat example of how exciting a career can be and it can start as an intern and just blossom from there. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Mr. Herrera, the new U.S. Space Force is the first new branch of the armed services in 73 years, and it's going to leverage the Department of the Air Force for about 75% of its enabling functions. How has the Space Force affected your organization?
1: I would say from the SAF-FM level, the Space Force has kept us incredibly busy. Step back and think. Secretary of the Air Force, financial management and comptroller, we are the FM, we are the Comptroller for both the Air Force and the Space Force. We didn't get a big bump up of personnel with the uh, stand up of the Space Force. Initially, we didn't get any bump up and some might say, well, you know, you, you had Air Force Space Command already, so it couldn't have been that much more of a workload, but it has been substantial. From an appropriation liaison standpoint, can you imagine just the interest from the Hill and the amount of office visits and congressional inquiries and questions and support that we have to provide to make sure they understand what this force or service was made up of and lots of interest in the structure and the funding and the programs that we were supporting. Additionally, this was a new service, new appropriations, new military personnel appropriation will start in 23. We wanted to wait till all of the transfers of personnel from the other services as well as from the Air Force to the Space Force leveled off. Additionally, we're going to have a new personnel and pay entitlement system called AFIPs, and we wanted to start the Space Force in that new system versus trying to force our very old pay system to work for that new Space Force MILPERS appropriation. But we had a new operations and maintenance appropriation, new procurement, new RDT&E, Tremendous amount of workload that went from standing up all of those new appropriations, building separate J-books, justification books for the budget. I mentioned the appropriation liaison work that we had to do. Space Force is looking at a potential for a new working capital fund. So our working capital fund shop that's pretty small has been working very closely with them on what it will take. And we're working with OSD Comptroller on what the requirements would be to charter a new working capital fund for the Space Force to sum it up. Tons of work. Most of the transfers were of appropriated funding and personnel were 21 and 22 transfers. So clearly for FY22, I need an appropriation and an authorization bill to finish the work we need to do in 22. And there will be some more transfers probably in 23 and beyond, but the majority or the bulk of it will have accomplished in 21 and 22. Knock on wood, we'll have an appropriation in 22.
0: Thank you, Mr. Herrera. Mr. Herrera, could you expand a little bit on the appropriation liaison increased workload? Is that part of the reason that you restructured and created a higher level liaison organization within the Air Force?
1: We've had a demand signal from the appropriators on the House and Senate side for a little more attention, elevated support in that area for a long time. And when I say we, the Department of Defense has always had that, the authorizer's have a two-star authorization in each of the services that uh, works the liaison for the authorization bill we certainly know that we have a lot of initiatives in the department of the air force that we want to accomplish certainly the fmb team that was supporting the appropriation liaison office it was fmbl at the time was doing a tremendous amount of work and doing it well but certainly elevating it to a three-letter and inserting a SES member to lead that organization is helping us get there faster and basically demonstrating to the appropriators we take this very seriously and we want to have a very open communication with the appropriators and address concerns or issues that they have at the appropriate level. I will tell you, I believe so far it's been a success. I think having the right person there has been incredibly helpful and Largely, the team that was already there has stayed intact, so they were able to help onboard the SES member and just take off. So tremendous success by the entire team.
0: Mr. Herrera, you mentioned the additional workload, new systems, appropriations, liaisons. How is the 23PBR going?
1: It's sporting. This is a tough year. Mm -hmm. We're still trying to determine what our final top line will be, but based on our fiscal guidance we received, we have a number that we're working with. I think if any of you have listened to our service secretary, uh, Mr. Kendall, he has something that keeps him up at night. It is that high-end fight, that China threat, that Russia threat. He wants to make sure that we are positioning ourselves to be able to be ready for that engagement. The PBR is requiring some really tough choices and is requiring a lot of hard work by our team to figure out how we can take care of the force and the personnel and all the other uh, Initiatives that the administration might have, while at the same time making sure we're doing right by the American taxpayer and posturing properly for that high end fight, that 2030 fight, if you will. We're not there yet. We're probably a few weeks away from in-game, but probably a lot of work to be finalized. And in the end, we're going to have a PBR position that's going to result in a top line number that will enable us to build the president's budget, and we'll take that to the Hill, and that PB will require the whole of the DOD to go to the Hill and explain to them why we made the decisions we made, why we made the recommendations that we made, and what were the priorities we were trying to address.
0: Very good, Mr. Herrera. It looks like the Space Force is preparing for a financial statement audit in fiscal year 23. Obviously, the Air Force has been under audit for several years now. And it sounds like you've had a very successful fiscal year 21 audit with um, downgrading two material weaknesses and eliminating another one a year early. In your perspective, how would you say that the Air Force's financial statement audit is going this year? So
1: for 21, we were pleased with the success that we had. First off, I would take my hat off to OSD Comptroller for driving us toward developing these audit roadmaps that we're all following. We have one for our general fund and one for our working capital fund. It enables us to focus on what are we trying to accomplish and how are we getting there? So 26 is our goal for the general fund, 28 for our working capital fund to getting an opinion by reducing three material weaknesses. One was a working capital fund material weakness, two were general fund. Material weaknesses are basically helping us get after systemic issues that are cross-cutting, and if we can make a dent on a large number of those material weaknesses, then we're showing progress towards achieving those audit goals and that timeline that was established that we committed to. We were tickled that we were able to meet our commitment for 21. For 22, we're getting after two really large asset classes. One is military equipment. think all the aircraft, the satellites, all those things that we have to account for I think we've demonstrated that we have positive control of that inventory. We know where they all are and can point to you floor to book, book to floor. But in terms of the valuation of that work, that military equipment, we're getting close to being able to demonstrate that work has been accomplished and is supportable. The other material weakness we're trying to get after in 22 will be our funds balance with Treasury. Basically, funds balance with Treasury is our cash that we hold with the Treasury. If we're able to accomplish both of those material weakness downgrades in 22, we knocked out a very large percentage of the asset side of our balance sheet. So we're not backing off. And I think we're in a good position for 22 to knock out those two material weaknesses. I would say we had a very strong year. And I've learned this since I've the couple of times that I've worked on the audit side. I try not to let any success cause me to celebrate too much. And I as well not let any setback or failure depress me too much because it's a marathon that we're on to get to clean opinions. We're certainly on the right path. We did well in terms of NFR closures. This year, uh, our closure rate for our FY20 NFRs is going to be 32%, which is an increase of our 19 closure rate, which was 25% of the 107 IT correction action plans or caps that we submitted to the auditor for validation. That was 40% of the total IT NFR population. We made a pretty big dent in terms of getting after a good percentage of the IT NFRs that needed to be addressed via corrective action plan. So, tons of work that was accomplished. We are very much on the right path. But as I mentioned, there's a lot of work to go. Certainly, there are some difficult areas that we're going to have to tackle, uh, bringing a little more order to our legacy IT environment and uh, making sure we're putting all the right controls and corrective action in that area that need to be accomplished will be a heavy lift. We're not backing off of that. And that's the direction we're going.
0: Well, thank you for your service and leading out in that effort. With the progress that you're making, are there any particular enhancements that you've implemented in your audit approach that are, are helping to drive this accelerated progress?
1: A couple of things. Probably the main thing was getting all of our functionals, to buy into a integrated master schedule approach for getting after our reducing material weaknesses or our major initiatives, whether it's a real property or OMNS, oh, spares in the possession of the contractor possessed spares. We've developed even for our funds balance with treasury, integrated master schedule that enables us to keep track and assess the progress. And the FM has to do the same for the corrective actions that we're in assessable areas that we're responsible for. And then we have governance and meaningful governance behind that. I partner with my good friend, Mr. Rich Lombardi, who's effectively the deputy chief management officer. He's the SAF-MG for the Air Force, who's a program manager by trade. So he can spot a IMS and know what Makes sense, and what doesn't make sense, and ask some really penetrating questions, questions that are very helpful for us, making sure that if we need to make an adjustment or if we have a critical path issues, we can get after those and realign resources as necessary. That's probably the biggest change we've made, but then on top of that, sticking with the plan that OSD set in place, that audit roadmap that we've committed to and uh, not backing off of those material weaknesses that we want to get downgraded or eliminated. A-123 internal controls and the contingent legal liabilities took a lot of partnership effort across the entire Department of the Air Force to get those two downgrades. The Working Capital Fund team worked incredibly hard to get that general property plant and equipment downgrade that they were able to accomplish. I think those two, the IMSs and certainly the uh, sticking to that audit roadmap and not doing a major hard left or hard right shift to our
0: approach are probably the two things that are putting us on the right path, keeping us on the right momentum. Thank you, Mr. Herrera. And now that you're acting in the SAFF-FM role, what are some of the initiatives that you're taking on as part of that role?
1: I would say what I'm trying to do is keep the seat warm for the incoming SAFF-FM, whoever that person should be. I don't want to take any decision space away from whoever that is, but certainly I need to keep the train going. One of the first things I did when I came into this position is I realized, okay, we had a strategic action plan, our SAP, that we published in 2018, and we had accomplished a ton of work. We had made more advancements on our fire compliance. We had developed a human capital strategy to that strategic action plan. We worked the transition of our military pay that's accomplished by comptroller squadrons in the field to that workload, transitioning to AFIPs, our integrated personnel and pay system, and our A1 personnel working those entitlements, stood up a resource training center. So I'm going on about the many accomplishments of that, the previous SAP, but the point I'm trying to make is the administration changed, the leadership changed. We have a new secretary, we have a new president, we have a chief staff of the Air Force who says accelerate, change, or lose. I mentioned that because all of the comptrollers who work in the Air Force are Air Force members, even if they're supporting a Space Force field command or Space Force activity, they remain Air Force controllers working in support of the Space Force. Anyway, recognizing that strategic shift that had occurred, I felt like we needed to make some adjustments to our strategic action plan or our SAP. So we have a draft SAP that is probably the 93% solution, and hopefully sometime in the next few months, I'll have a Comptroller that I can hand that to and allow them to make whatever edits and adjustments that they feel we need to make. But the shift I'm wanting to go through is implementing a data strategy, implementing a, an IT strategy for the FM systems that is going to help us focus on rationalizing the number of systems we have, eliminating what we can as quickly as we can, making sure we're leveraging that ERP that we've been uh, focused on for so long. And then doing some work like diversity, equity, and inclusion, looking at our FM statistics across the Department of the Air Force. There's 13,000 comptroller members, over 13,000 financial managers in the Air Force. We need to make sure that we're not creating any barriers or there aren't any issues that we need to address. And so we're looking at our uh, demographics. And in some cases, if we see trends or issues, it, it gives us a chance to act upon those and not be reactive, but more proactive. So uh, our costers are trying to uh, rejuvenate a BCA or budget business case analysis capability at the field level. And we're really needing to expand on our data analytics. I need to catch up on uh, some of the work that some of my my service counterparts have been doing with the Advana tool that OSD is using. If, If OSD is going to grade me, on what my data is in Advana. I think it's in my best interest to take advantage of that system and to leverage it and use it. If I'm gonna make sure all that data is correct and accurate because I certainly want uh, OSD making well-informed decisions about me, then I need to probably take advantage of that workload. Those are some of the things that I'm wanting to get after from a uh, strategic action plan standpoint. From an audit standpoint, I wanna continue to partner with our CIO and with our MG, Mr. Lombardi and Ms. knotzenberger and our cybersecurity lead, uh, Ms. Jones-Heath, effectively, those are some of the big rocks we're going to have to get after in this audit. It's not just the FM systems, but our functional systems as well. Making sure that we're rationalizing as much as we can, eliminating as many systems as we can, leveraging the ERPs that we have as much as possible. But then recognizing we've committed to some other systems that are aren't in the ERP and and we need to make sure those systems that we'll continue to keep around are structured to have the right cyber securities in place, as well as having the right accounting conformance capabilities in place. So there's a ton of work there. And by partnering across the department and across the staff and leveraging our audit experts to help us do this prioritization, we can make some correct resourcing decisions. Rather than trying to get after every problem at the same time and giving every problem equal weighting we probably should do a little better prioritizing of those problems so that we're getting as much bang for our buck, if you will. Those are some of the examples of the things I'm initiatives I'm doing. And on a lot of these, I'm really just sort of bringing them to the 95% solution. And that's the direction we're going And Hopefully, the incoming SAF FM will be able to slap the table and say, Yep, I like the direction you're going there. And we can move forward
0: from that point. I really like the spirit of collaboration and the teamwork that it sounds like you're building and driving, which I think is probably a key indicator on the success that you've had and a key metric in terms of the acceleration and the progress that the Air Force has had. So I really like that whole concept that you shared about collaboration and teamwork. I wonder what keeps Mr. Herrera awake at night?
1: I would say the things that I talked about in terms of competing and winning at great power competition, that really is keeping me up at night. And it's only because with this 23 PB, and it's not just this upcoming president's budget, which we don't even have our final number yet. We have to get and finalize our PBR position with OSD, CAPE, and Comptroller. Even in the previous few PBs, we in the Air Force know that there are things we need to address to get after that high-end or great power competition. And that makes for having to uh, make some really difficult choices. We're working with our programming partners, and we're trying to help identify where there's opportunity. But we're also going to have to make some tough choices, and we'll have to present that budget to ultimately whatever it it ends up being. There's going to be decisions that will need to be presented to the Hill, and we're going to have to get their buy-in to some of the – priorities and the choices that we made and help them understand the rationale for for why we made those choices and gain their support. Effectively, I mentioned over 13,000 financial managers. I need all of them marching in that direction. I need all of them making sure that we're supporting, getting after our resources and being as effective and efficient with the resources that we're entrusted with so that we can continue to make those proper investments. So, making sure we're all marching to that drumbeat and supporting those priorities is something that I take very seriously and wanna make sure our personnel are ready to meet that resourcing challenge.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Mr. Herrera. And for our last question this morning, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give a new careerist who's just starting out in the DOD FM space? Mr. Rhodes,
1: thanks for that question. I try to be as consistent as I can because I've been asked this a few times. There's a few things. There's not one bit of advice, but two or three bits of advice. One is play well with others. That old adage of what you learn in kindergarten is an important, valuable lesson. I need people who can collaborate. I can't work these budget and cost estimating and audit issues on my own. We have to collaborate with a lot of other people and we have to build trust and make sure that we're viewed as advisors and strategic partners and trusted advisors and strategic partners. Playing well with others is important. Work hard, have an incredibly strong work ethic and reputation for follow through. And not just work hard, but work smart. Be willing to push yourself and as well, look at improving ways of doing business. Don't just accept status quo. Probably one of the things that served me well is a lot of my leaders knew that if they handed me a project, if they handed me a task, they didn't lose a lot of sleep over whether or not I was going to finish it and deliver it for them. I really encourage young people and new careers to have a reputation of follow-through and have a strong work ethic. I certainly would encourage them all to continue to develop themselves professionally. Being a member and participating in professional organizations like American Society of Military Controllers is a fantastic way of building a network, of being able to figure out how to benchmark off of other people's skills. Certainly a great way for people to recognize one's potential. It was an example of that is meeting Air Force Special Operations Command to go work at the Air Armament Center. I was a, largely an O&M background. I'd done some investment work, but just by having a reputation with people I'd worked with at the center at, at Eglin, I think I was viewed as a commodity and someone worth investing in. Participating in professional societies like ASMC helps you achieve that. Those are probably three nuggets I would say are important. A professional development is bachelor's, master's, pursuing certifications, all the things. And you're not just filling squares. You're doing things that are making you better at your job. Every time I took a master's course or worked on a certification, I did it from that standpoint. How is this going to make me better at what I do as the Department of the Air Force Financial Manager?
0: This is great advice, Mr. Hare, And it's even probably more than just advice. As you started out as an Air Force intern and progressed your career to the current role that you have. Our new careers who are listening could take this to heart and have a career that blossoms the same way. So thank you for sharing that with our listeners. Appreciate it. Thank you for being with us today. I know you're very busy and just wanted to say thank you on behalf of ASMC for your time and for sharing these words of wisdom with us. Thank you so much, Mr. Herrera. Thank you, Mr. Rhodes. Thank you for tuning in to All Things Financial Management, an ASMC podcast series sponsored by GuideHouse. You can find all our episodes on ASMC's Engage platform and at our website, GuideHouse.com, All Things Financial Management.